Hey world, welcome back to the Shape of a Star podcast where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it so that like we're the star or something like that. Something fun that I don't think you guys hear like as the listeners, but we hear sometimes as like the people recording is that that jingle never plays the same speed for us when we're recording. And then when I play it back, just to make sure it's right, it's always normal. So it's always a tempo game. I never understand half the time the recording like changes tempo like on like the seventh or ninth beat. Like it's a whole thing. By the way, for those who don't know music, there's 64 counts or beats in that jingle, right? Oh, that's the total version. You know what? Screw it. Anyways, we're not here about that today. We're here because once again, we're bringing on a fun guest from the geek therapy world. So here is Joe Atanasio. Hello. Hello. I didn't, I, I didn't hear a jingle, by the way. You didn't hear it? I didn't hear any jingle. Could you play it again? Is it possible to play it again? Yeah, here we go, world. Can you hum it for me? Yeah. Oh, I like that. I mean, yeah, I'll just send it to you later. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you'll hear the full version at the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, by the way, that jingle was made by John Sype, who may or may not have just won an Emmy. Oh, that's really neat. I don't understand the post that his friend tagged him in of his friend winning an Emmy, but the fact that he was tagged in it, I'm suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> and he has been so quiet about it. I'm like, did you win an Emmy or not? <laughs> Is my jingle Emmy award worthy? <laughs> <laughs> they have to have like awards for jingles, right? Yeah, but I thought it'd be Grammys. Uh, I mean... I, I assume they have their own awards, like the the jammies or something like that. You know, you're in New York. You could propose that to someone easy and make it happen. Well, I want I want my own jingle, just like walking down the street. <laughs> you know, everything I do, like I open a door to Starbucks and the jingle plays. <laughs> You know, funny enough, there have been other guests that have been on this show that have literally, like, can you send me the MP3? Because people think this jingle's super catchy. And mm. my composer and arranger and editor, like, he freaking told me he hums it randomly. And his wife, who I've known forever, too, she was like, it's so catchy. I'm like, damn it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the jingle doesn't even need words. It could just be like the, the Seinfeld jingle. It's like, Oh, yeah, no, this doesn't have words, because I'm like, I'm not paying someone to sing, and I can't sing. And honestly, yeah. I know. So since you couldn't hear it, let me tell you what inspired this stupid thing uh, that I loved dearly. Uh, Nobody's Perfect by Hannah Montana. One of the transformation songs from the Winx Club. Actually, two of the transformation songs from the Winx Club. And shout out to my ex from Little Mix. So just poppy, poppy, kid shows. <laughs> Did we freeze? My butt, my my ass froze for a moment. You said shout out to what? My ex by Little Mix. Gotcha. <laughs> so just kid shows and then a pop song. 
Awesome. That were all in the same key, apparently. So that was an easy start. Because <laughs> I Googled, I was like, I hope this isn't like too weird to figure out. He's like, no, this is all the same key. I was like, yes, my musical ear. Perfect. But anyways, we're not here about my jingle or me. We're here about you, Joe. So let's start at the very beginning. How did we meet? Uh, we met uh, through Geek, Geek Therapeutics. Right, we, we, we met through, um, well, we've been playing a and d game together, well, for, for a while. Before that, though, we met, well, I don't, did you ever take one of my trainings? Did we, did we meet, uh, I forget, if, did we meet through a training? <laughs> we met during supervision. To, during supervision, yeah. I just didn't know if even before the supervision we met through a training, like just uh, like you were watching me, you know, do a live training and then I texted back to you or something like that. I don't know if you took any of my trainings before. Uh, whatever. Face to face through supervision, we, we first met. And then from yeah, there. You're right. It might have been that. Wow. For some okay. reason, I think it was that. Yeah. I, I do remember feeling like a creeper because I got your email and it was in the training. Also, there were like four trainers in the beginning of Geek Therapeutics, so. Well, okay, so we have to put this in context, right? So I am a, a, a geek therapist that provides CEU trainings to other clinicians and counselors and individuals in mental health uh, and um, teach uh, them how to incorporate geek subculture, right, into therapy or counseling or uh, client advocacy, and um, y you were, probably saw me in one of my trainings, uh, but then formally met face-to-face -face through supervision that I provide. And then, uh, you know, I liked you so much, I was like, hey, man, Danny would be an awesome addition to our D&D game. <laughs> It's true. It was Joe that invited me because I thought it was people trying to do other things. And then I was like, Joe, who the fuck invited me? He's like, no, it's me. I was like, no, yeah, totally. I was like, man, Danny's personality is, is vivacious, out there, says what's on his mind. And uh, yeah, like, why not? So. And now look, it's like a year-ish later, I think. I think it's been over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it has been over a year. You're right. Been over a year. Um, and the campaign is still going slowly, <laughs> but surely. I feel it's actually coming to a, a, a potential stopping point and end soon. Um, so after that happens, we'll have to decide what, what we do next. But. There's so much Wait. we have to do still. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least I think there's so much we have to do. I don't know. Yeah, you, got a, yeah, you got a couple more missions. And um, uh, again, for context, I guess for the audience, they're playing a D&D campaign where they're trying to escape the Underdark, which is this like horrific, nightmarish world underground that they've been lost in for over a year and a half. Um, that's sort of the narrative of the storyline. And all they're trying to do is escape. And they finally have some headway and... Um, you know, some clues on how to do so, but they've got to do a, a few missions first. And so. side quests. 
inside quest. <laughs> yeah, because so for other context people, I couldn't play for three-ish or two-ish months because I was getting another certification through Geek Therapeutics. So we'll get to all that crap later. But so mm. I wasn't around for like I don't know how many games, and shit happened. I'm confused, and <laughs> I'm there, and my personality is back, and I'm making it known. And yeah, we're making progress through some. We're cleansing a city or helping a city. It's I don't know. But I'm there. Woo. <laughs> yeah, we caught we caught you back up. And uh, what I really wish, I mean, I really wish at some point, even if you can't come this time around, I really do hope that at some point you get to drive up for some of our in-person games. I know it's kind of unfair. Maybe maybe at some point I will drive down. Um, but we're we're having that the in-person game coming up. Um, from a few people who have to drive a couple of hours to meet. I mean, no, I'm totally down to do in-person eventually. I haven't been in New York as much as I usually am in the past couple of years, you know, pandemic and all. But, no, I'm usually yeah. in New York a lot more. Oh, yeah, we met during the pandemic. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> the whole reason I ended up doing the whole geek there geek therapist thing is because I saw a Facebook ad and I had time at work because I was virtual. Yeah. So I was like, oh, clickety click. So wow, we've known each other we've known each other for years and since the during the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh it's it's strange. I think the pandemic, despite how isolating it was, it it brought a lot of people together in a variety of different ways, whether it's families or family units or whether it's just reaching out to online, you know, social groups or friends, um, reconnecting with old friends. Man, I, I reconnected with some old college friends that I hadn't spoken to in forever. And now we have like an once a month, um, you know, Zoom meeting that's still ongoing. And we do uh, like a movie draft, music draft, just sort of like a, you know, NFL draft, uh, you know, but more less about stats and more about like we we look at albums of a certain uh, range of years or movies within that have come out within a certain range of years. And then we select them in turn order based on our favorites of favorite genre of movie or genre of album. And then for the albums, it's really neat. We create a Spotify playlist for the month of everyone's choice and we listen to it all. And then at the end of the month, we go ahead and we, we vote and rank and then the winner gets a prize. That's kind of a, but that, that spawned out of the pandemic. So I think the pandemic actually has brought, um, you know, how, however horrific it was, it has brought some people together as well. So No, it really has. And it's public knowledge at this point that, no, I tell everyone I had an excellent quarantine. <laughs> I thrived. And yeah. yeah, no, there were some positives despite the horror around the world. But yeah. again, this is about you, not me. So... I'm doing a horrible job today about that. So, <laughs> so we'll start with the next part, which is, so you describe yourself as an imaginary dog. How so? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how, I mean, where else am I going to describe myself? Like, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be like tooting my own horn. Like I'm an intelligent, hot therapist. That just you know is uh, super smart and insightful and and humble. 
<laughs> so I just went to a descriptor of like if I was an animal, what kind of animal would I be? And I chose dog because honestly, that's what that's what people, you know, actually relate my personality to. Um, however, you want to describe a dog, like playful, um, loyal, always ready to do whatever, like ready to just go. Um, yeah. Uh, constantly hungry and willing to eat anything, <laughs> even if it's garbage. And then be like, yeah, that was great. I want more. <laughs> um, what else? And then imaginative because, I mean, I feel like that's the, that's the one thing I can describe about myself, um, even if it's like, I'm confident that I am an imaginative person. So, um, I, you know, it's interesting. Other people will, will see you as a whole, all sorts of different ways than how you, how you see yourself. But I would say imaginative is the one, one thing I could definitely describe myself as. Nice. No, I definitely see it. I mean, you DM, so done there. Improv and imagination right there, nonstop. I literally think my, my son right now is actually, I just got a message from my son that popped up on my screen inviting me to play Minecraft with him. Aww. <laughs> He's going to have to wait. <laughs> I'll play with him right after this. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That's how I describe myself. But why imaginary? Why imaginary? Imaginative. If I was an imaginary dog, <laughs> that would be even better. <laughs> I'm an imaginary dog. Did I put imaginary or imaginative? You put imaginary. <laughs> but I have no idea. I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretend dog. I, I think I meant imaginative. Okay, that makes more sense. But, you know, there's you a... Make a lot of if I was, okay, if I had to justify putting imaginary, maybe um, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm not who I actually am. Two like, face. I don't know, I am, I, I, yeah, I, I am a Gemini. I am a Gemini, so. I never connected that. No. <laughs> Maybe, maybe half the time I'm I'm real, half the time I'm imaginary. Better than fake but, and angry, or at least I. I also, I mean, I really like dogs as well. Um, so maybe I associate just what I like with who I am as well. I have I have a I have this guy right here right now. Aw. Yeah, he's chilling. It's a dog, everyone, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's not my furry lap. <laughs> Remember, this is a podcast. They can't see what's happening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, so that clears a lot up. I really thought you were talking about, like, that show Fred, where, like, oh. the only person that could see it. <laughs> Yeah, well, Fred, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, that would be really interesting to be an imaginary, like, friend of someone else. That would actually be, kind of be wild. Okay. Fred was, Fred was an asshole, though. Never saw the show. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a great show. It's a great show. Uh, but um, that would be interesting to be be someone else's imaginary uh, imaginary sort of friend. Oh, like Moon Knight, you know, like um, uh, like Stephen. Oh my God! Imagine if we were really just someone else's like mental projections of of like their traumas and insecurities. Um, that's a lot of power. <laughs> I mean, how would we even know? How would we even know? I guess we wouldn't, because what's his face never realized it either. Moon Knight. Spoilers for Moon Knight, by the way. I guess, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But whatever. But by the way, yeah. mm. Oh, I was just gonna say. By the way, everyone, it is July seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. So when this is out next May in may of 23 you definitely should have seen it by now because we're already past spoiler zone now oh yeah i mean i hope by then moon knight will be back on like the big screen or something like i know they were saying they're not going to do a season two which is bullocks uh but um i mean i hope they at least bring him to the what are they gonna just do a one shot of the whole season of like a fantastic character that's craziness Either that or just Kevin Feige is lying up his butt, which is possible. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Disney Plus is pushing out so much stuff. It's fascinating. Oh, yeah. okay. So the next section is that we already touched this, but so everyone, Mr. Atanasi over here is up on the board for Geek Therapeutics. So my question is, mm -hmm. how did you even get involved in the first place? Because by the time we met, you already were. Yeah, uh, uh, really Tony, Dr. Bean, Dr. Tony Bean. Um, he and I went to, to school briefly uh, at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology um, for our doctorates. Um, and then he, he ended up uh, transferring out to, to a different school uh, and finished up his doctorate there. Um, but we remained, you know, really good friends throughout our 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 schooling and and afterward and then um yeah i don't know one day he just like called me up and was like hey you want to be on the board or something and i was like not not doing too much <laughs> i think this was right before the pandemic and um you know he told me what it was about um and uh yeah i was i was i was definitely interested um you know, I had already been using um, D and D in some of my therapeutic interventions and groups um, when I was in uh, like nursing home settings and physical rehabilitation facilities, and um, uh, yeah, and I think he he liked what I was doing, and then he knew that I was just like a huge geek myself a gamer anime and manga and uh so he thought i'd be a perfect fit for someone on his board 
And then, yeah. And then from there, it just, it took off and, you know, we worked on various different projects, everything from like, you know, writing different books and creating programs that, that actually certify and train therapists and using various different, you know, geeky interventions for therapy. Um, and so, yeah, I'm still on the board and oversee, you know, different things, help, help at, uh, um, you know, promoting and also just uh, getting out there and spreading the word at different conventions that we go to, things like that. Nice. <clears throat> so what does it mean to be on a board for something, for those who do not know? Yeah. Um, it's, a lot of it is, um, so, so from a legal perspective, right, uh, you know, having a board can be important if you're creating an organization, um, a formal organization like a corporation um, or an LLC. And, uh, you know, I guess technically speaking, uh, you know, if something eventually goes public on the stock market, like a board has a lot of influence over or some influence over, over what's going on, but we're, we're not there at all. We're, this is more, the board here was more created for like to uh, pull the resources of a variety of different clinicians who are geeks and have used geek subculture in their practice and to pull on those variety of different resources uh, and personalities from each board member to try and create a diverse and really fulfilling training program. Um, so each of the board members has certain specialties um, or different insights or perspectives, right? And that usually helps, you know, make a company successful because, uh, you know, you're getting feedback and there's dynamic and fluid talking points and reflection points. So if you have a good solid board, um, you know, you're sharing your thoughts and opinions on what could be options about where the company could go. Um, you're also helping out with decision making. Um, you're also splitting up the work for any type of CEO or owner because uh, being a CEO of a, of a company um, or the owner of a company can be exhausting and taxing and mania inducing. And so having other individuals like lieutenants, so to speak, to split up the work um, a little bit, it can be very, very helpful. Um, being on a board, you know, there's requirements of like certain, uh, uh, levels of requirement of the work that you need to do to stay on the board or to get a percentage uh, of the, the earnings or, um, uh, you know, just to, to maintain being on the board. And that work usually isn't, you know, it's, it's not extremely taxing, at least this board's work isn't extremely taxing because it's stuff that I already do anyway during my day to day. So, um, and yeah, that's, that's sort of what it's, I guess, like being, being on a board, there's monthly meetings, things like that. You've answered actually questions I've wondered, but I'm still going to ask them anyway. Uh, mm. so I have been, I asked Megan this too, when she, when Megan was on, by the way, everyone, if you want to hear more about Tony, 
Uh, his episode is episode 14. We also had another board member, Dr. Megan Connell, uh, episode nine. So go listen to them and listen to their stuff and hear what Megan had to say for this question I have. So Joe, how do we convince Tony to get me on the board? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, we, uh, let him know that, you know, if, if geek therapeutics is expanding in certain directions that we need, uh, a, a different type of perspective and insight into where we're headed. Um, that, you know, you are, uh, uh, responsible and dependable and accountable and you do your work, you're a full-fledged geek, you've done all the trainings, um, you've completed your also, you did the um, the Game Master training recently as well, right? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you, you actually have, have, you know, been here. In fact, you were the first person to complete, complete the Geek Certified. Or one of the first people. No, I was the first. <laughs> you were the first. Oh, uh, you know. So, I mean, you know, you have been here with Geek Therapeutics for, you know, since the beginning. So I've done a training. Yeah. The, I think really the question that Tony has is, Tony's always thinking about, like, I think the question that you always ask themselves really is like, what is, what's the need for this? Which doesn't really sound nice, but well, I guess total sense. <laughs> that, that, that's what makes him, I guess, a good, you know, CEO, a good owner. Uh, he's constantly always thinking about cost benefit analysis and needs, um, you know, because I guess the company is like his baby. So like, I don't know, there could be a day where Tony's like, what's, what's the need of Joe, you know? And he'd be like, all right, you're not, you're not doing much on this board. Let's vote, vote you off the island. Um, and, you know, I, I would be like, well, if, if he had reason to do that, so be it. It's not going to really necessarily affect my, my personal friendship with him, actually. Um, I would, you know, this is his company. So if he's got to ask himself the question of what's the need, then that's, that's what he does. Makes sense. No, Tony knows my intentions all around. I've been saying it forever. But what I didn't know is until you said it, that board members make money. I've only ever heard of nonprofits. So, and they make nothing. So now I understand that might be why. <laughs> yeah, well, some, some board members, some boards make money. Some don't. Uh, we are, you know, we're, I'm not a, a, at, at liberty to divulge the inner workings of the board at this moment, but, You're fine. um, yeah, some, some boards make money and, or a percentage, some don't, some receive like, uh, benefits from, or discounts of what, uh, you know, company offers. Some just do it again. Yeah. Like you said, for the, for the nonprofit work, for, for resume building, for, um, you know, uh, obviously helping a community. Um, and then some also do it for, for like indirect pay. So even if you're not getting directly paid by the company, you're going ahead and, you, you know, partially using the company as a platform to go ahead and promote some of your own works, right, that you can do and then, you know, set up 
set up certain things that way. Um, yeah, because people, if you didn't know, Geek Therapeutics is also a publisher. Yeah, uh, yeah, separate, separate, actually, company. Um, I believe uh, Tony's company, the publisher, is 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 Leyline. It's actually, I believe, a separate company with a separate uh, tax ID and everything. But oh. they they publish through Geek or Geek Therapeutics publishes through Leyline Publishing, which is um, the publishing company, I believe. I'm glad you're here to clear that up because I've been through now two rebrandings of this website. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially since I'm not on it every day anymore. Yeah. Because like you said, I completed everything a while ago. So, you know, I'm just there waiting for my opportunity, Tony. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's your favorite part of Geek Therapeutics? Uh, the community for sure. You know, uh, being able to just talk with other clinicians, the therapists, the counselors, mental health advocates who are also geeks and um, uh, enjoy the same things that I do in my, my personal life, um, who also give me ideas on how to use geek subculture in therapy uh, to be able to support what I think is a really important aspect about connecting with our clients and a variety of people. Um, especially I would say in, uh, m millennial generation and under, although there are some gen X's as well. And of course, even believe it or not, some baby boomers that, that like geek subculture as well, for sure. In fact, that's where I started baby boomer generations connecting with geek subculture because I was doing the D and D games in nursing home settings. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the community of geek therapeutics and and other organizations that in promote the importance of understanding clients through subcultures that's that's my favorite part yep oh wait you helped me develop my like mini pitch to tony i just remembered about this board and like where we could expand to mm. wait for everyone oh, yeah. yeah that was uh you wanted to do um the uh the the band right and and musical yeah and band theater, geeks, yeah. theater geeks it's all geeks mm -hmm. yeah theater geeks mm -hmm. i had other things on that list too but it's been like over a year so i might have to remind tony uh <laughs> i mean it's interesting because you know the D, D portion of of geek therapeutics right or the the tabletop game the role-playing game part has a large component of um uh, you know, performance, performance art, right? It's mm -hmm. role play. Yep. And so in that, in that sense, yeah. Um, I think D and D or, uh, you know, theater, um, ha could have a, a huge spot in geek therapeutics. Um, there's a lot of, 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 performance that uh, I think is therapeutic and healing to a lot of people. And I I'm pretty sure, yeah, like performance would be, or theater, right? Theater geeks. I mean, that's just another, you know, sub sub culture of, of geeks, geekdom. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you're <laughs> pushing up the acting performance side too, because I know I can't compete with Megan when it comes to music. Like, they can got that down. 
<laughs> but you know, other ways, other things. But okay, so what is your favorite geek culture artifact? Artifact, like something I own? No. Okay, so here, let me read the commercial of Geek Therapeutics and then you'll get it. <laughs> because, you know, this whole thing is just a little big commercial, everyone. So here's the commercial. Geek Therapeutics <laughs> wants you to feel like the superhero who defeated the villain in your favorite comic book. Imagine what it's like to be in an anime character's shoes. Feel proud during the instant you raised your arms in victory after conquering a Dungeons and Dragons quest. And cherish the moment you hugged your teammates after winning the esports tournament. They want you to use geek culture and its artifacts, such as video games, anime, fan fiction, comic books, pop culture, uh, esports, and tabletop RPGs to unlock the best versions of yourself and others. Okay, so like all their trainings are approved by almost every mental health organization you can think of, like the APA, ACE, and BCC. You actually probably know them better than me, Joe. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we just got a, a certified for for um, you know credit or accredited under uh, play therapy. Um, also for the social work sort of board of America and uh, the counselor board of America, the APA psychology board of you know America, basically. Um, I don't know how many are left, but <laughs> almost every single mental health organization. And mm -hmm. yeah, you could check them out geektherapeutics.com. Use the special link in the description to subscribe to their awesome content and begin to learn. How to mix the wonder of fun with bettering humanity. Please reach out if you have any questions. I guess you could reach out to Joe or me at this rate. Usually I have to say me, but <laughs> uh, where I have the Instagram is at the shape of a star podcast. The Twitter is at the shape of a star podcast was too much to fit in the title. The Gmail is just the name of the podcast at gmail.com. And if you have questions for Joe or me or whatnot, reach out. I'll connect everyone and it'll be a dandy time. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so, yeah, so artifacts, um, <clears throat> I mean, I think they fluctuate right now between tabletop and, uh, and anime. Um, it's hard for me to see myself falling out of interest ever with these two things. I used to be a huge gamer, like video games. Um, I think time has just dictated my ability to spend on particular video games. And now I, now I, um, you know, choose my time wisely with them. Uh, and I don't play as many or as many competitively as I used to. Uh, I would, so I would say previously it might've been video games, but now tabletop games and anime. Tabletop games is my way to connect with others. Anime is my way to connect with myself. So those are, those are my two sort of big geek artifacts. Okay, so concise and insightful connecting with yourself and connecting with others. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I that, <laughs> yeah, you know, tabletop, obviously you're playing with other people and, and hopefully you're, you're, you know, I do it, <clears throat> I do it through my, my practice. So I'm connecting with my clients. I also do it on the side for a side hustle. So I actually run a couple of uh, pay for play games um, in the evening during my week. Yeah. And um, I get I get some extra income there, which is really nice. That was nice. a question I had actually: is why weren't you doing that? Because I didn't know you were. <laughs> oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's not like you know a heavy amount of income. I've also been thinking about I should probably up my 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 rate too. 
right now my rate is uh, 15. Um, so if I get, you know, a five players, you know, five times 15 is what, 60, 75 bucks, right? 75 bucks for, for three hours. This is like 25 bucks an hour. <laughs> if you break it down like financially like that. Um, but you know, 25 bucks an hour having fun. Um, it's not like a, a huge income source. Um, but you know, that's not really the point of it. Um, and then I just play for fun with friends. So. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No. Yeah. You definitely need to up the rate. Cause I've done, uh, my friend's been dying to find a DM to just like consistently run a game. So we were Googling people. And so I recently have seen all the prices. You were severely undercharging yourself. Uh, most people yeah. do per session, not per per players. And yeah, so no, yeah. Re rework that. And then let me know because I could pass your info on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my thought is because I've been recently seeing the prices actually move or not go up a little bit. I think, and that's the, the reason is because during the pandemic, there was a, um, just an influx of like games. Everyone was playing D&D &D during the pandemic. What the hell else are we going to do? And right. therefore also there was an influx of just DMs, some really good, some not so good. Obviously a lot of new DMs, which is great freaking great that that it called upon people to to actually game as a, a gm um but with with there being plenty of uh supply you know demand went down and so probably did pricing um i could easily probably now you're right charge a little bit more i could easily charge at least 20 per player if i wanted to do a session like get a do a whole group i mean I mean, I could probably just charge like $100 a session and the group figure out how they want to pay for it. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. No, that, and don't forget, you have all these certifications too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also go, I like to go all out for my sessions as well. I like to make it, I have fallen into the, you know, like the critical role hole, which I, I think, again, Matt Mercer would say, and a lot of people would say, don't do that. Like, don't try to make your games like critical role. Um, and, and I don't think I, I purposely try to do that. I just really go all out though with my own voice acting. I try to use music. I try to use interactive maps. Um, you know, when I, I try to, when I do in-person games, I use figurines, I use a flat screen TV and, uh, as, as a board and I place it down as a board for, for interactive and, and video like maps. Um, I don't use terrain. I mean, actually that's not true. Sometimes I, ha I have used terrain uh, a lot before in the past. It's expensive. It's an expensive hobby to use terrain. Holy Very. moly. Very, very. Uh, I'll let you, you, you craft it yourself and build it yourself and do a lot of resourcing, and that's fine. And I wish I had more time to do that. But it's it's difficult to craft your own terrain. Um, or to find the time to do so. 
yeah, so that's, that's table talking with anime. I connect with myself through anime just because I, I don't know, there's something very nostalgic for me about watching even new anime because it brings me back to childhood watching anime. And I connect with various different storylines and characters and things like that, so. I have questions about all that later, actually. But before I forget, what games did you used to play competitively? Uh, I played um, like League of Legends, and I played uh, Halo. Uh, I believe Halo Two, and I played Smash Brothers Melee competitively. Nice. Okay, so. No, actually, those are the big ones. What yeah. was your main in league, or what did you play? Like, all those <laughs> I played Fizz. Fizz main. That makes um, sense for Imaginary Dog. Yeah, right. There you go. Fizz. Imaginary Dog. Perfect. Um, I also played... Uh, I also played Leona. I played Leona support, and then sometimes I troll and do Leona jungle. Um... But is it trolling if it works? Yeah, not not so much. Because having a Leona jungle with mobility shoes come out of the jungle and use her, uh, you know, her move that, like, you know, reaches over to you and stuns you for Ever. one second. Yeah, <laughs> 1.5 seconds, which is forever. Uh, you know, it's just, it's nightmare-inducing. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I totally feel that because who is my... So, <laughs> fun fact world. I don't know if you were playing when they were, like, ranking champions by, like, what level you are and how good you are as them, but <laughs> one of my proudest video game accomplishments is that I have a level 7 as ADC Jana. <laughs> nice. And, yeah, no, she that is off-meta as crap. Uh, yeah, my three mains are Jana, Quinn, and Jinx. I can only ADC which is surprising to me because I thought I'd be a great mid. I used to play Dota mm. nonstop. And I don't know. I can't do anything but just ADC. Okay. Well, no. I'm a decent <laughs> tank. But that's just because I'm super aggressive and I'm like, you know, if I'm just going to run in, I'll just stay in. <laughs> do, you ever take, do you ever take ADC up to top lane? Just solo top lane as an ADC? I have before, but like one of my... Uh, Brad, everyone, episode, I think he's 19. Yeah, 19. Brad of episode 19, everyone, it was my roommate in college when League came out, and I was playing Dota, sick of Dota, and I was like, oh, let me try League. Then we tried League together, and because he was new, and he wanted to play all, like, the supporting characters anyway, I was like, okay, fine, we'll go bot together. So we just kind of, like, dynamic duo. Oh, yeah, because mm. we cannot be beaten as Jana and Lux. <laughs> nice. The only time we were ever beaten is when their ADC was Rengar because he kept jumping out of the bushes at us. Mm -hmm. And neither of us understood how to like get away from that. <laughs> Don't go into the tall grass. <clears throat> Basically. So yeah, no, Fizz makes sense for you as <laughs> mine makes sense for me. No, that's super cool. And yeah. So what animes... Oh, wait, no, that's a question way later. Okay, so last part for Geek Therapeutics is... What do you envision for Geek Therapeutics in the future? Um, again, I am not allowed to divulge too much. 
<laughs> as a board member. There's a lot of things coming up, I think, for Geek Therapeutics uh, in the future. Uh, some really, really cool places that I think it's going to go. Um, but I would like to envision um, creating our own space for an in-person conference, almost, like a, a place to go ahead and do in-person trainings or at a, at a conference, which would include in vivo, like, tabletop sessions, uh, you know, in vivo, like game therapy or game therapy interventions, um, uh, you know, just networking and community building. I think that would be really awesome for the near future. Um, instead of us showing up to like particular already established conferences, us creating our own space, that would be really cool. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, we're, we're doing something now that, that is live, and I, I can see us expanding upon this, where we're actually now providing direct clinical services to communities across America and supervision. Um, so right now I'm supervising directly individuals in the states that I'm licensed in and, and those individuals are providing direct geek therapeutic services to, um, to individuals, you know, in their communities. And I think that can definitely expand. Um, yeah. Uh, I also think putting out particular, you know, uh, either either products or more manualized versions of, of some of our, you know, interventions and endeavors and missions and themes, right, um, can be helpful. Those, those are probably, though, done, again, through, through Tony's other organization, which is Leyline Publishing. So no, but there's, I, a lot, there's a lot there that could, that could expand upon as well. I have literally been saying forever, I'm like, when are you guys just going to create your own convention? And I wonder, where are you going to put it? Because the, Tony likes to travel. Tony might want a convention's place somewhere he's not living. <laughs> so I've always tried to like guess in my own head. And then I'm like, good. Because if you do make a convention, bring me in. I'll be a speaker. Mm -hmm. Boom. We can mm -hmm. finally all meet in person because I haven't met any of you. <laughs> Despite the fact it that... Yeah, it would it would be really really cool. Um, I think uh, yeah, there there would be it would also allow us to like I think draw in uh, yeah a lot of uh, you know variety of of individuals and diversity from from the communities that that you know we set up set up a convention around. So oh yeah. No, I've been in the con circuit forever. I've been, actually, I could say this now because this will come out after it happens. No, KatsuCon once again has me coming in as a guest speaker. So awesome. that's exciting. Yeah. And yeah. all the people that, yeah, I'm like, what is it called? The Jap, the JCI teacher? I don't know. J, they can't figure out the name. I work for the Japanese Cultural Institute, everyone. And I come in and do educational panels 
based on whatever the theme is. So Katsukan's theme, I had to email them actually, because I had no clue what the theme was and it wasn't posted anywhere, is heroes and villains. And I was like, hot diggity damn, how easy is that for therapists? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to have a whole panel on what character. We're yeah. Analyze the crap. Very cool. So yeah, things like that. So yeah, no, I have experience. I know lots of people that cosplay internationally. I could have you guys hook you guys up with judges. So you know what? <laughs> Maybe I'll add that to my pitch to Tony. Get me on a board and I can get you. Yeah. People to like instantly. I know so many. <laughs> but yeah. Again, not about me, about you. <laughs> so you have a bunch of hobbies. Like a ton. Yeah. So I am I am uh yeah and maybe this this coincides with like that dog personality like ready to do anything and everything i really do i really do have a bunch of hobbies i don't know what, this, what how you would describe a hobby that like i guess a hobby is something that you do on a, on a pretty consistent frequent basis um but i'd like to say like you know again like i, I really am open to doing almost anything um but yeah, what you, you want me to tell you some of my hobbies or? Oh no, we're gonna go through because you listen. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, how'd you get into fencing? Fencing was in high school, um, freshman year. I tried out for the soccer team, and I could have played soccer, but then I saw a fencing club had set up shop in our gymnasium for after school, and I decided I wanted to try that instead because I played soccer previously in middle school, and I tried out fencing. I really liked it. And so then uh, I just joined the club and then I was able to eventually throughout high school recruit a lot of people to establish our own team or reestablish a team at the, at the high school because there had been a previous fencing team, but it ended in like the 80s. Um, and so I, I kind of reformed it in, in the 90s. Um, and yeah, and then I've been fencing ever since. I just went fencing yesterday, actually, at my club in Queens. Nice. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen you post about it in a while, so I didn't know if that was one of your active things. You do so mm -hmm. much. It's hard to keep understand like how you have time for anything. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, no, tough. It's tough. I I, uh, I really try to. I really. I guess I am pretty good at time management. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, because there is a lot that I do and I try to fit everything in together like a puzzle piece. Um, that is exactly to... how I realized I had good time management too. <laughs> yeah, I try to really squeeze the most out of life. Um, we're only here for so long, so. Yeah. Also, fun fact you said, I didn't know you were in high school in the 90s. And the only thing I could ever think of about people in high school in the 90s is that you guys were in high school when Buffy was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I will say though that uh, only only part of the '90s was I in high school. I was like late '90s, early 2000s. Okay, I'll look at you. Uh, okay, so yeah, you're also into working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll go to the gym. You know, I, I try to do it r regularly. I've been running some 5Ks recently. Uh, trying to sign myself up for 5Ks and get better at that. I practice the 5Ks on my own as well. Um, there's my uh, my girlfriend has a has a personal trainer that comes to her home and 
I, I utilize that as well. That's fun. Um, I also like outdoor activities, you know, hiking and things like that. Yeah, I mean, working out feels great. <laughs> I have no particular, like, measure of goal, except with my 5Ks. With my 5Ks, I do have particular goals and what I want to do. Um, and and I guess I eventually, after I accomplish what I want at my 5K, my plan is to go to a 10K. Um, and I'm very close to actually getting to where I want in my 5K. So I want to get my 5K uh, somewhere between 25 and 28. I've hit 28 on my 5K, 28 minutes, and I want to get somewhere between like, you know, whatever. Probably 26 and 28 is really realistic because um, I'm old and my knees suck. Uh, <laughs> wow, your knees suck and you're still running? Yeah, fencing messes up your knees, man. <laughs> um, so I have to space out my runs, but, um, you know, I can't not work on my knees. I can't not, uh, exercise and, and build up my, my knees. Cause if I do, that's how you actually get injured. So, you know, if I just neglected my knees, if I neglected running, you know, or, or squats just because, Oh, my, my, my knees are going to hurt after I do it too long then I'm really only going to make myself more prone to injury. Yep. So, uh. um, but yeah, then the hope is to go on to 10 Ks, which is a little bit more endurance. All right. So Where I eventually, I will probably never run a marathon because I'm not that kind of a long distance runner. I just, that's not me. I was about to ask about triathlons too, but. <laughs> A little bit of fencing, a little bit of running, a little bit of swimming. I suck at swimming. I mean, I can swim, but I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> You're going to see me floundering around in the same spot. <laughs> Somehow I'm going backwards. <laughs> Just grab on to someone. Um, yeah, so that's, that's sort of my workout. What else did I put down? So you also put down painting. Yeah, um, that's this. This is not my painting. Well, that this is not my painting back here of my girlfriend's. They can't see it, obviously. This is my painting, though. This is uh, based off of a a picture that I took of my kids in front of some graffiti art in Brooklyn, and so that's just a that's like sort of um, you know the 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 back painting, um, really that I've set up, and detail work eventually will will go into it. Um, but yeah, I started oil painting when I met my girlfriend, she's a painter and she's really talented, really amazing. Um, I had been painting minis and mini figurines throughout the pandemic that I found very relaxing and fun. I never thought I'd be a good artist, but I found my, my enjoyment of art and painting through painting little minis, tabletop minis. And then that made me um you know decide to to try out some some oil painting and i love oil paints honestly i think they're really fun they're dynamic uh there's so much you can do with them they're like 10 times better than acrylic in my opinion i hate acrylics uh that's an opinion <laughs> yeah um 
I do a little bit of watercolor too. I've been enjoying, you know, playing with watercolor, uh, but it's, it's watercolor is like so unruly. Um, but I guess that's the fun of it. So. Now, uh, so how do you feel about the smell of turp? <laughs> well, so, so here's the thing. First of all, there's, there's a trick with oil paints that, that I do. I don't use like turpentile to, to clean anything. Uh, instead I use, uh, uh, wood cleaner, you know, you know, like the, the wood, the, it's like that thick gooey, um, liquid that you use to go ahead and clean your wood floors, like yes. wood polish. Yep. Yeah. That'll take paint off and it smells much better. I actually like the smell of turf. Ah. <laughs> that's why I like asking people because everyone has an opinion about the smell of turp. No, I just you set your brushes into some some wood cleaner for a little bit and uh, let them soak for a little bit. In fact, I got some soaking now that I got to take out after this because uh, otherwise it'll start to ruin the bristles. Um, I was about to say, how does it not ruin the bristles? Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta take them out after a little bit and then just you know wash them with warm water and dry them off and you're good. Okay, good to know, because I was wondering, it's like, how do you get it out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it comes off the bristles, because the, the thickness of it is, is like, you know, it's like molasses, or it's like, it's not even like molasses, it's like jelly. And so it comes off pretty, pretty easily. And then you just, you know, rinse it with some warm water to get the rest off. And then uh, you got your paint off, you got the jelly off, and, and you just, you know, you know, soak up any remaining water, maybe with some paper towel and just dry it off. Nice. All right. Your next hobby you listed was anime watching. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love anime. I love just uh, being introduced to new types, new kinds. Um, you know, there's, there's no particular genre that I really enjoy more than another. I like the, the battle arena genres. I like the, the epi, epic sort of story arc. I like the slice of life. Um, I like the, the strange and the weird. Uh, in fact, I really like the strange and the weird. Um, there's two anime that I really like that's strange and weird. One is a very old anime called Hale Noche Gu. And it's like, uh, I don't even know what that translated is. Let me say how I go. How do is, I don't know what, what, what is this? Anyway, it's about two kids that live in a jungle and they're very weird. <laughs> uh, very weird stuff, very weird stuff. Quirky, quirky animation, quirky creatures. And the girl is literally just like a black hole. Like she opens up her mouth and weird stuff is inside of her. Um, and uh, <laughs> we go, uh, yeah, I like all types. Uh, and um, then the other one is... Uh, a limited series that I think they redid. I never saw the redone one, and I hear it's not as good, unfortunately. But uh, Fooly Cooly, FLCS. Yes. 
I watched FLCL. I did not get it. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy, but I love it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anything else with it? Uh. I mean, right now, what am What am I watching right now? Um. Uh, I mean, I'm like on whatever, 150 episodes of One Piece. Still have like 600 to go. Oh, uh, you just started One Piece. She's halfway through. Yeah, I really need to <laughs> work on that a little bit. Um, uh, there's a really awesome like high school drama that's a spin on, a spin on high school sort of drama that I like, uh, Kakaguri. Uh, which is like, you know, high school for people who are gamblers. Oh. And they, yeah, that's a crazy anime. It's just, you go to school to gamble and there's a hierarchy in the school based on how well you gamble. And the top people who are the gamblers like dictate how the school is run. And the entire the episode is just people betting on the stupidest shit and betting in the craziest of ways. Uh, it's it's a it's an insane um, anime. I also like Food Wars. It's like Iron Chef, but funny. Oh my god, I love Food Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you watch Sub or Dub? Uh, I honestly both depends depends on um, depends just depends on the anime depends. It's a case by case basis, quite honestly. Some which, some are okay dubs, some are god awful. Um, so, which do you watch for Food Wars? Uh, I actually watch subbed for Food Wars. Oh, I don't know. Wait. I actually never. What is it dub? Is dub pretty good? Okay, so I'm pro dub mostly because by the time I have time to watch anime, I'm too tired to read. Also, my sister has a reading processing disorder, so she's never gonna get through it otherwise. <laughs> gotcha. So we're yeah. like, you know, also when I go to conventions, I like to know who the people are. Because half the time I go to conventions and I'm like, who are these actors? I didn't watch this. Oh, voice actors. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm sure. like, you know what? I'm just going to hop to dub. It's easier on my mind. Everyone could watch it, blah, blah, blah. But the dub of Food Wars is so funny. Okay. I'll have and to check it out. According to people, <laughs> I am a good Erina. <laughs> <laughs> and it was even funnier because I don't know. Do you remember the part right before they had like the one of the massive trials of food wars? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, like, oh, what's it called? You know, if you don't sell enough, you get kicked out of school. That whole thing where if you didn't like sell enough, you get thrown out. Well, there's yeah, the part where uh -huh. Aaron, the episode before, Aaron is the one that's like giving the speech to Soma. And then the next episode, Soma's like mocking her. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, that's my voice. <laughs> Someone tried to be Aaron. I was like, oh, <laughs> called out. Oh, a fun fact, too, about the dub of Food Wars. You know how they had to sing the food, the school song and oh, Soma had no idea there was a school song? Yes. Mm -hmm. They didn't dub the song. Okay, so it's just, just still the it same just, way? So it just is like, all right, guys, let's sing the school song. Switches to Japanese, the subtitles pop up. Right, right. Someone's just looking around, and then it switches right back to English. Yeah. 
oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, I mean, that kind of makes sense because when we talk about music, right, uh, music in a particular language has a certain flow to it and a feel to it. And when it's translated even, sometimes it really doesn't make as much sense as in the original language, right? It's like the, the grammar doesn't even make sense here or that, that imagery or the alliteration doesn't make any sense. And so, I mean, yeah, you're still going to get the, the subbed of it, the subbed translation, but like dubbed, it, it would be almost like jarring to the ears in some ways. Yeah, exactly. No, I, that's why I tell people all the time, like, guys, if you're ever bored with music, go listen to Arabic music, German music, or Spanish mm -hmm. music. Those mm -hmm. three languages are like the bombest to like listen to. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... <laughs> No, I love Food Wars. Um, oh, actually, another fun fact about Food Wars. Again, this is my sister's like favorite thing on earth. Uh, so we, they were cooking over the pandemic, her and my mom. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, what on earth is the five allspice of China or whatever it's called? And my sister just busts it out. And I was like, how would you know that? And she's like, you're going to judge me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, TV can teach you things. Anime specifically can. So. <laughs> and that's without going through geek therapeutics and learning about the wonder of fun and life and mixing mental health and all that jazz that we talked about before. Yeah. The next hobby, actually, it's the last hobby that we were that you put on there was barbecuing. Yeah, I love me some barbecue. Going outdoors, drinking a beer, barbecuing, throwing a ball to my dog while I wait for stuff to cook. Feels good. I like I like hosting. I like hosting, you know, parties for people and things like that. Barbecue is, um, you know, a pretty easy, flavorful way to get done what you need to get done while still socialize and enjoy the outdoors. Um, so, you know, everything from quick stuff like burgers or sausages or um, salmon. I really like to grill salmon on a barbecue. Uh Seafood is really good out on a barbecue in general. Shrimp, mm, kebabs, ribs, a little bit longer. You know, the slow, the slow, uh, slow cook. Have you ever mm. done a pig on a spit? No, I've never done a pig on a spit. That sounds like fun. Sounds like it would take a long time. I don't, I don't want to be personally the one turning it. Uh. <laughs> they sell a machine. Okay. Yeah. That sounds cool, though. Uh, I've seen it done, but I didn't get to stick around to like see the product. I like saw them start, and then they yeah. came back, and they were like, "Oh, it was great." I'm like, "Oh, uh -huh. happy you had fun." I when when I was living in Hollywood at the farmers market, they would do this outdoor barbecue, and the best thing I ever tasted was like where they have the rotisserie chickens on the spit, and they just let all the fat drip down into a pan filled with potatoes. Oh my god. Hold up, you lived in Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, what were you doing there? I was going to school in, in LA. Hollywood is not a glamorous place. <laughs> it, is a, it is an awful place. And that leads into an, the next question, actually. Have you lived in New York your whole life? Yeah, no. I'm from Jersey. I'm from North Jersey, from a town called Maplewood, South Orange. Oh, my cousin's from East Orange. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
Yep. Um, that's where I grew up. And then I, you know, after college, I went to Jer college in Jersey at Drew University in Madison. And then after that, I went uh, and lived in Washington Heights, New York, uh, on the Upper West Side. And then from there, I moved to California, to Hollywood, um, and some outskirts of, of LA proper. And lived there for about eight years and then came back to New York and are, am currently residing in Queens. Aw. Okay, so eight years in LA. Okay, so let me tell let me preface it with this. Sorry for people who live in LA and like it over there. I was there for like literally three minutes and I hated it. And then I was actually there for three days. Um, I was there to visit family, happy to see the family, would happily come visit again. I didn't make it out of the airport before I was like, I hate this. The you, sound, you sound like, yeah. Who do I sound like? You sound like uh, there's a song by Death Cab for Cutie called I Can't See Why You'd Want to Live Here. And it's about Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> and literally, the words that you're saying are like the lyrics of the song. Oh, The air okay. sucks, it's dry, it's dirty. <laughs> It felt dirty. I felt like there was sand all over my body the second I walked into to the cab. Oh, that was the other thing, too. So I went, like, in 2015, everyone, and the the flight attendants, like, laughed at me because I was like, I need to leave this plane last because I got to film myself. And they're like, why? I'm like, you'll see. So I, like, opened my phone, and I was like, I hop off the plane. I, like, jumped off the plane. <laughs> and I just kept doing it. I was like, okay, we need to find a cab. I don't care because I was with, I was actually with Brad, everyone. And Brad's like, okay, let's get an Uber. I was like, no, we need a cab. <laughs> we need to jump in the cab for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like going through the whole song the whole time I was in LA. But before I got to the cab, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm not feeling this. Yeah, I, I can very much understand it. It's, um, uh, it is a, a different vibe than New York. And, um, I mean, it's still busy. It's still a busy city like New York. There's still a lot of traffic, and but it's very different. I feel like with LA, you have to to actively seek out the spots that are going to make you feel like you are in a place that is um, chill. In New York, there is no chill, and you just have to accept it. And there's there's a place like right down the street from you that's going to be great for you right because it's so compact and uh the access to the areas that will fit who you are and your personality you know it's so accessible with the public transportation um and so i think new york a lot of new yorkers become spoiled about the ease of access that they have for sure um in la you have to do actual searching for your spots for your crew for the community and the people that you'll connect with they're there for sure. And I think LA in, in general also has maybe even more to offer than New York because of the diverse geography. And you can go outside of LA proper and go for nature hikes and walks and coast rides and beach and lakes. And, uh, you know, there's, there's entertainment and there's just inner city grime and there's food. Food in LA is pretty fantastic um i mean new york has got definitely got some good food but i would say in general southern california food probably is better believe it or not than, than east coast new york food um so it's got 
I think it has more, but it, it takes more effort to search out those things that are going to make you feel comfortable. That is a good synthesis. I don't know, summary, take, yeah. whatever it is, it was good. <laughs> no, I didn't know if you were like going out there because you were like, I'm going to try and act. And you had that. No, yeah, but maybe, maybe I should have. I, I would assume, like, if I wasn't going to be a therapist, I was going to be an actor, maybe. I did some acting in high school. And I thought I really liked it. Um, you play D&D. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a life struggle, though. You could be really good at acting and just never get a break, you know? Yep. So, <laughs> so much about the performing art world. Um, yeah. That's it's, why... I ended up in the mental health therapy world because it's more consistent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's more than more consistent. It's like, uh, you don't get a break. It's the opposite end of the spectrum, honestly. Uh, and you know, in acting, you're like, Oh man, like when's my next gig? When's my next interview? When's my next job? When's my next audition? Right. I got to look for a different job. And then mental health is the opposite. It's like, Oh my God, there is so much work for me that I have to get a different job so I can not overdo myself in this job. <laughs> I just had that conversation with my coworkers because there were like, so my department's not big. I work for a small school. So my coworkers were all like, I need a thing that isn't therapy. My whole life is therapy. And I'm sitting there like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I was like, oh yeah, because I go out and do other things. I have this podcast. I coach yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, oh now I get it I have other opportunities that take up my whole focus and time yeah you could you could if you wanted just have your life consumed by counseling and, and therapy and be a therapist and because there's enough there's enough work out there there's enough demands you could you could just get sucked into it and uh not ever have a problem when in terms of finding work honestly but you get burned out so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even the opportunities I've gotten through Geek Therapeutics, I'm like, I could have burned out easily. Speaking yeah. of all these hobbies and Geek Therapeutics, actually. So, again, we're going to tap into other episodes, people. So, if you're curious about the whole timeline, this goal is in episode 9 and 14 again. So, I asked Megan, how on earth does Tony do all he does? Because Tony does a lot, too. Uh-huh. And Megan jokingly, it was like, drugs. It's the only way I could think of. <laughs> and so, when Tony was on, I was like, Tony, there was a comment about you, and I want you to have a chance to defend yourself. <laughs> uh-huh. And so, now what I'm asking said? you. What do you say? I don't remember. <laughs> he was like, I don't think I'm on drugs. Uh, I'm just very focused <laughs> and very good at blocking on everything else. I think was the answer. Guys, mm -hmm. I recorded Tony's episode like two years ago. I don't remember. Like, actually, over two years ago. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I mean, he is, look, some people are, are business-minded, you know, g genetically, also their personality, uh, maybe even due to some aspects of, of mental health that are channeled in healthy ways. I mean, we all have mental health problems, quite honestly. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I think, I think all of us 
you know, mental health is, is not like a, despite us using insurance this way, like throwing mental health in a box and a label, you know, it's a huge spectrum, a wider spectrum that anyone could even believe in. And based upon that, you know, people find more healthier ways to deal with mental health stressors than others. Now, are there such things as disorders? Obviously, definitely. And just, you know, dysregulated biochemical um, issues, you know, biological issues, absolutely. Genetic factors, absolutely. But, um, you know, I, I think business-minded individuals who are focused on creating something, building something, making money from something, putting their mark on their world, on the world around them or on communities, you know, you need a particular type of mindset. Um, like, I have no personal interest in that. I don't, I don't care, quite honestly, about making a company and leaving a mark on this world. Uh, I only care about that on a more micro sense of like my family. Like, I often think about like, will my great, great, great grandchildren know who I am, right? That matters to me, but not on a more macro sense. Like, I don't give a shit if the world remembers who I am. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not here to create any, anything, you know, really for other people. I'm here to really help people then find the peace of mind to decide what they want to create for themselves. And if they want to leave a mark on the world, if my clients want to leave on a mark on the world, fantastic. I'll help them get there. Um, but I think for business-minded people, owners, CEOs, things like that, right, they have a drive inside them to go ahead and make it known that they're doing something, that they want to do something for the world, that they want to live, leave the world off in a better place than it was. This is all, you know, hopefully, you know, looking at the positive side of, of a business mind of entrepreneurship and not necessarily the dark side, um, you know, because there are obviously uh, other, other negative motivations, we'll call them, you know, darker motivations for, for running a business, of course, and doing a million things. I think Tony's right in that you have to be focused and stay on topic, stay on focus, not be too uh, scatterbrained or wear yourself thin or stretch yourself thin. Otherwise, you won't accomplish anything. Um, and it's also about making sacrifices. You know, Tony probably makes a lot of sacrifices, uh, personal sacrifices, in order to do all the things that he feels like he wants to do and needs to do. Maybe he doesn't even see them as sacrifices. But we might look at them as sacrifices uh, because, you know, we hold different values and may not want to let go of the same things that he has to let go to, right? That might be including like, well, he's letting go of like personal care time, right? Just to, to like do some research for what's going to be next on a board meeting. And it's like, well, we see that as a sacrifice because we value like our self-care time. He may not because he values really furthering his agenda with, with business. And so that's not much of a sacrifice to him. Um, that's me hunting down guests for this show. Right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I get it. Um, yeah. So, you know, probably also, you know, just uh, he's found a way to adapt to maybe probably, you know, less sleep or, um, you know, maybe he does use drugs. I'm just kidding. No, I don't think so. I'm, uses I'm drinking coffee right now. Coffee's a drug. Um, and no. that was actually the question I was heading to. Um, do you think it requires just unanimously this specific board 
does everyone have this kind of like multiple how on earth do you guys fit all your lives into your life things because you're a million hobbies you're like i didn't even know you were doing private dming because you also dm like a million other games like dming takes forever like are all of you like this on the board hmm yeah i think so yeah uh yeah and i think some of the other board members might be more in line with tony about like furthering their own companies or their organizations and building them in a certain way and some other board members may be more like myself where we definitely do a lot of things but we it's more about time management and getting the most out of life rather than us um building something up um i'm, I'm not particularly building anything up i mean i have my private practice um, but I, I don't intend to grow it beyond a certain point. In fact, I'm almost done growing it. I, I don't want more than honestly three employees under me. Um, that to me is like my limit. Uh, I don't I don't mean it to like grow nationally or beyond state borders or even beyond county borders. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, I, is it going beyond the city? <laughs> no. So. No. And that's super. I, mean, I guess it, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, time management. I would say, yeah, maybe it's a common thread that we like to, to do a lot of things. We like to maybe complicate our lives with experiencing a lot of variety of different things. That is yeah. such a pretty phrase. We like to complicate our lives by experiencing a lot of different things. Wow. We could put that like, you should sell that as merch, honestly. Um, because I'm sure lots of people would buy it. Like when you guys have a booth, or maybe when you have your own con and you have a merch table. I know. So, no, that was super cool. Uh, okay, actually, yeah, I know we've spoken a lot about D and D, but that is the next question, and it's stuff we actually haven't covered yet. So, when okay. did you start D and D? Uh, I started after the first season of Stranger Things. I think I played once in high school, just like briefly with some friends, just over like one session. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't really play too much, you know, historically with the different versions. I just started after Stranger Things after I saw it. And I, I knew some of my friends used to play it. So I wanted to try it out. Before D&D though, I did play a different tabletop game. It was a, a homebrewed tabletop game of that was D&D-esque in many ways. <clears throat> and it was with a summer camp program that I used to be a part of. Uh, a, a high school history teacher ran the program. And uh, again, very, very role-playing tabletop game, you know, exploration, maps, role-play, equipment lists. Um, no particular skills or abilities or classes that you would play. Very much, I guess, more so like, um, was it Kids on Bikes? You know, uh, just very, very just open-ended role play and narrative where everything could just be decided, you know, your your abilities or powers were decided on, like, what kind of bargains you would make, what kind of deals you'd make, what kind of weapons you'd, you'd find or treasures you'd find. Um, and there was no rolling of dice. It was really, if you wanted to make a decision that had a chance to fail or succeed, there was literally two cards, succeed or fail, and the teacher would hide them behind his back and you'd have to pick. You either succeeded or failed. Um, but 
usually if you could find a way to express or explain how you would succeed at something, you could do it. So that's, that's sort of my background of tabletop gaming. Yeah. And then the next part is, why do you like to DM so much? I like to tell stories. Telling stories, building narratives, uh, creating like uh, uh, surprise moments or, you know, uh, cliffhangers, um, you know, getting people engaged with building their own narratives and discovering who they are. That's why I really like to, to DM. Yeah. Now, that makes a total lot of sense, too. All right. If you, as yourself, were a race class combo, what or who would you be? I feel like I should have I should have done this. This was so much longer ago. Like if I, uh, you know, like I'm a very like middle of the road kind of person. I'm, I'm not that exciting. I'm boring. I'm average, and I always do that. Like every time I play like you know a Nintendo game, multiplayer Nintendo game like Mario Kart or Smash Brothers. Guess who my main is? Mario. <laughs> I was about to say, Mario. Yeah, yeah just, just middle-of-the-line skill sets, you know, nothing special. Uh, sort of a flagship character, right? Um, so I'd probably be a human, a variant human in D&D, with a feat of observant and uh, in terms of class, I feel like I would be mm. I'm stunned that you never didn't have this right away. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so I feel like I would be one of two things either. Um you know, I'm an academic, so I can't ignore my academic side, but I, I'm not a, as studious as like a wizard. I, I feel like I would honestly be a, a Eldridge Knight, a fighter that uh, is, is loyal, but then also dabbles in the, the arcane studies and academics. Um, I mean, I like physicality and I like working out and I like fencing. Um, and so like an Eldridge Knight is like someone who can you know, master their martial prowess, but also dabble in a little bit of academic learning. Um, and then the other one, I think I, I'd i be a rogue, a rogue, maybe inquisitor. Um, you know, I, the way my mind works, I'm always trying to outthink things and look at various different outcomes of scenarios. And some people might say like, well, I'm kind of kind of sneaky that way. Um, and so I'm, I'm using the environment or my surroundings to my advantage. And You're being a Gemini. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So a human variant rogue. Oh, that's 
a good answer, actually. Okay. And now, with since we've known each other for years, <laughs> what would you think I would be? Based on our D&D games, I kind of know. <laughs> uh, no, but let me see. I... You... Okay, so it's, let me start with class first. Let me go backwards. Class okay. first. I think, I know you like to play Warlock a lot, but I, I think you are more, honestly, uh, like a sorcerer. Uh, I think there's like a loudness to you and a, uh, like a, an acceptance of who you are um, and, um, you know, uh, the parts of you that you know that you, you like, you like to show off. And that to me is sorcerer. It's like in your blood. Uh, you're not going to hide who you are. Um, you know, uh, warlocks are more about like, you know, striving for power through packs and deals and bargains, right? I think you just accept who you are and like to be loud about it. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'll be honest, uh, I only pick warlock because I like Eldritch Blast because I yeah. think Eldritch Blast would go too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's a sorcerer now. I think there's a variant of a sorcerer that can pick Eldritch Blast, I believe. Or there's a feat. <laughs> yeah, there's a feat that you can pick it. Um, Committed. <laughs> in terms of, I don't know, in particular terms of the type of sorcerer, uh, I mean, you, you, are, you are, you know, a clinician, so... So maybe you'd be like an aberrant mind therapist, which is like can do the, the telepathy and read people's minds and things like that. Um, and in terms of race, I don't know why it's, it, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's because of uh, what's the, what's, what is this, the formal name for the, like the, the marching band um, thing that you do with, with the, the tumblers and the, the poles and the, the color stuff. guard. Color guard, yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe it's because of that, the color guard, and like the flow of it. I think you'd be a great water genasi. Hey. A <laughs> <laughs> water genasi aberrant mind sorcerer. Yeah. What a long title. You just had variant human rogue. <laughs> well, uh, human inquisitor rogue. Inquisitor rogue. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take it. That sounds like a great analysis. I feel like I got red in a good way. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So, um, your dream campaign that you'd want to play in or run. Um... My dream campaign that I'd like to play, like that I'd like to be a player in, or run. It could be like a homebrew setting idea you have. It could be like a yeah. play that you want to just be in or play. So I, I really need to revisit and actually fully write out. It's it's flushed out and it's written and I've played it a homebrew run that I made. 
I guess anyone who listens to this podcast will, I'll spoil it for them because there's a twist at the end. So if you're listening to this podcast and you don't want the, the run spoiled and you'll never play with me, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I, I did a homebrew campaign that is uh, D&D, but it takes place in a modern day setting in a high school. And in a small town in uh, the, the north or the mid, I would say, uh, like, I think it takes place in Colorado. And um, the, the gimmick to it is that there's no, there's no magic. And so if you are a magic class, you have to just verbally come up with a way of how you're actually doing your magical spell. So if you're going to cast a fireball, there's no such thing as like casting a fireball. You'll have to get like a uh, Lysol can and a match, right? And have those materials to cast your spells, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of like fighters, you know, there's no real swords, right? But you could be on the rugby team or you could be on the lacrosse team and get your lacrosse stick. And that could be your, your weapon, right? Yeah. So you as the players have to figure out a way on how you're going to mechanically come up with, with your moves in a narrative sense. Okay. And that's the gimmick of, of the campaign. Um, the storyline is that, you know, you're, you're in this, uh, this private school. And there are a couple of storylines going on at the same time, including like this underground drug ring that's occurring in this small town in, uh, you know, the Northwest uh, or, or in Colorado, right? In the Northern state of Colorado. And it's impacting like the individuals of the town and making some of them go crazy and, and see things. Um, that's one storyline. There's some other storylines of a, an adoption agency that might be a little bit more insidious than what it first appears to be. Um, there's also a, a religious cult going on in the town. All these just various sort of spooky, um, storylines that are, I guess, a little bit reminiscent of like, um, you know, uh, I guess the cartoon Gravity Falls, right? Yeah. And uh, just all sorts of strange things are happening also at the school itself. Um, people falling ill and people going missing. Um, now, a lot of the mechanics in this game also are... Uh, I throw in all sorts of mechanics. Like at one point, you know, th there's some rival, uh, you know, you have your, your rival cliques in the high school and there's like a huge food fight at one point in the narrative. And so there's actually food fight mechanics that I've built to go ahead and like throw your cheeseburger at the nearby table, right? There are also, you actually have to play like a lacrosse game and uh, against like this other team and uh, even if you're really not an athletic person, you have to play on the team because they're down some players, right? Some issues that have been happening around town. Uh, and so 
some really wild stuff, you know, is happening in terms of mechanically wise beyond just the regular 5e mechanics that I've created. Um, eventually, the storyline progresses and you begin to find out that um, the entire town is being drugged and is uh, actually uh, you're, you're being drugged to prevent yourself from being, becoming consciously aware that you are actually the, the dream manifestation of a beholder. Because in D&D lore, beholders, when they dream, what their dream Right? Oh, no. And so when a beholder dreams, when a, when a beholder dreams um, of like blood, right, or something very violent, they'll create a death kiss, right? Um, or if they dream about like, you know, spawning, they'll create something like a, like a, a lesser beholder, um, like a, a, a spectator or something like that, right? So then the question is, well, why the hell would a beholder be dreaming about an entire town and manifesting in their dreams an entire town with various different humans and individuals, right? Like, why would a beholder be be dreaming up a town that you can't escape from? Because every time people try to leave the town, something strange happens. Well, that's because the beholder is actually under the control of mind flayers who are forcing the beholder to stay in slumber and dream of a town of people so that the mind players can basically farm the people and eat their brains. Ew. <laughs> and so the shocking revelation that the players eventually come to is that they're not real, that this entire town is not real and they themselves are not real. You're just a figment of the minds of the beholder's imagination of the beholder's dreams. And so then your quest turns out, well, you have to find out where these mind players are holding this beholder. And the question is, do you wake it up? And if you wake up the beholder, what happens? Do you continue to exist or do you cease to exist? Yeah. Wow. That is, that is, uh, that's the, the narrative that I really want to run again. Is that a one shot or is that like? <laughs> no, this was a, it, it ran for about six months. Uh, and uh, in the end, the players that I ran it with decided to wake up the beholder. Did they die? <laughs> Did they exist? You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it. Yeah, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. But that's when the story ended. The story ended. Wow. Okay. So yeah, it's a homebrew. The dream campaign, everyone. That's the dream. So, you're also fascinated by space and astrophysics. <laughs> What's yeah. the best fact you've ever learned about space or astrophysics? Um, I don't know. That there's probably a, a universe out there where time runs backwards. Wow. That our, perce our perception of time is just really uh, by random chance that the creation of the universe, when it happened, 
just maybe potentially randomly decided that time runs in the way that we experience it, but that it could equally have run the, the opposite way. Okay. Nice. Okay. So then how would you describe dark matter? <laughs> dark matter? Dark matter is the energy force that, uh, you know, I guess, I guess, does it, does it have, I mean, I'm not a physicist, so I would imagine though that I believe that it has like an antithesis force against gravity. That despite gravity, uh, dark matter pulls things, because gravity is in relation to matter, you know, and, and all matter has a gravitational force, but but dark matter has, a, has I guess, expressive force of dark energy that, that pulls things in a different way than gravity. Okay. Hopefully, ah, oh, man, I bet you some astrophysicists are going to be like, nope, that's wrong. Hey, and if that astrophysicist wants to come on and explain it, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, really someone, to some astrophysicist sign up for this podcast and just smacketh me down. It's okay. If you really want, we'll invite Joe back. Uh, <laughs> you could do it to his face. <laughs> okay, well, astrophysicists may have an opinion on this too, but can you explain the damn cat? Like Schrodinger's cat? Yep. Yeah, that's the concept that something, you know, in quantum physics, I believe, like something uh, that you observe can actually change its state just upon observation. And before you observe it, it actually exists in multiple states. So if you just think of like, you know, something like an on-off switch, the switch is both on and off at the same time until the moment you actually peek in the, the box and observe, observe it. And your observation actually changes the state of the switch, which sounds crazy, right? But that's what happens, you know, when you get on a quantum level, things can exist in multiple states in, in a singular moment of time. Nice. Now, I always love how people explain the cat because I'm just like, you kill it when you open the door. Um, <laughs> that's all I ever get from it. It's either dead and alive. When the doors close, it is both a dead and alive. Second you open it, you killed it. Done. Yeah, because when you start getting on a, like that, that kind of micro level, time acts a little wonky, right? Uh, uh, or maybe it's not time. Maybe it's just like the, the state of being, you know, the positioning in time space of something can exist in, in two different states. Um, I, I, I think it's in regards to also something in regards to the, the information and the concept of information. You know, information cannot be destroyed, uh, but it can be observed. And the information of something's state is existent in multiple ways before it's observed. Um, and then the information of it can't be destroyed. I mean, I really hope I'm, I, I, you know, actually I'm going to stop talking because, you know, I, I don't want to be spouting things that are untrue. But this does lead me to my second interesting fact because information cannot be destroyed, right? There's a theory that this is all a hologram, like life is a hologram. 
Okay. There's a, from what I know, the, the reasoning behind that is that information can't be destroyed. And so information, you know, eventually everything is going to get sucked into black holes, right? And, but information can't be destroyed. So the information of what was, you know, in terms of what the universe is, never gets destroyed by a black hole, but instead exists on the outer rims of the event horizon of a black hole, which is a 2D plane of existence, right? And that would mean that all that information that is being stored on the surface level of a black hole, we'll call it a surface, right? But on the surrounding edge of the black hole in a 2D plane of existence, right? Doesn't know that it's actually just a hologram or, or on a 2D plane of existence. And so technically speaking, we could all be living on the event horizon of a black hole in, in, in a holographic form. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just learned what a black hole is like because of a movie. Interstellar? No. No, but they referenced that Interstellar explained it well. Oh, because of Thor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, literally, I was just watching the movie, and she's ripping her own book. Spoilers, everyone. Again, it'll be at, probably be out on Disney Plus by the time this episode comes out. Just fold in, stab. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, that's what Interstellar tried to say. <laughs> Had no clue. So, it's okay that you didn't know how to explain everything perfectly, because this next topic, I fully believe you can. What on earth is the book The Road by Cormac McCarthy? The the book is um, so Cormac McCarthy is uh, an American writer. Um, you probably watched some of his his books have been turned into movies, including The Road. The Road is a movie. Um, he also did No Country for Old Men. Um, uh, oh, what are some of his other stuff? Um, No Country for Old Men, The Road, uh, Pretty Little Horses. Um, he also did, he's very similar to like, um, almost, almost like Faulkner. Faulkner was obviously more stream of consciousness, but there, there is a aspect of like stream of consciousness to McCarthy's writing. Um, sometimes his characters don't have names. Uh, the dialogue that is written out is mostly coming from their their points of views, but there, there's often no particular, a lot of quotes uh, being quoted in the way he writes things. It just comes out uh, uh, and um, uh, all the pretty horses, the road. Oh, um, uh, what was what was the other? I'm trying to think what is what his other books are. Blood Meridian is another one. Uh, anyway, uh, oops, where'd my my video go. So the road is about a man and his son, also just 
named in the, the novel, the man and the boy. And they are in a post-apocalyptic world. You're not really sure what has happened to the state of, of America. It's insinuated that it is a global issue. And, um, you know, uh, just society has just disintegrated. And the entire story is about the man and the boy traveling down a road with the man trying to teach the boy certain things and protect him from the world around him. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of like gruesome dark stuff that happens, you know, the, the, the mother in the end, uh, you know, it's, it's too unbearable and she commits suicide and there's cannibalism involved. Um, you know, uh, there's people don't have any food to eat. Um, and, uh, the, the weather is just, it's like constant nuclear winter and, you know, um, you know, it's constantly dark. So the entire story is about like this man trying to protect his son and their journey down walking this road. Uh, and it is, um, it, uh, I don't know what it might be a commentary on. I mean, it's a commentary on um, the lengths that people will go to when their environment, you know, uh, dictates hardship and struggle. It's, it's a story about love and sacrifice and in some ways hope because the, the child, uh, despite how awful the environment is and how awful the father knows that it is and how bleak their situation is, the father doesn't expect any of them to survive. Um, the child constantly looks at things with a childlike perspective in a very hopeful kind of way. Um, The, the movie is fantastic also. I mean, I, it didn't really get, I don't know if it got critical acclaim or not, or is ignored. There wasn't really a lot of uh, uh, um, promotion for it, but it stars Viggo Mortensen, who's an yeah. awesome actor. No, I'm on the Wikipedia page right now. 74% yeah. uh, approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So not bad, not bad. The book is fantastic. The book is insanely amazing um, and just as good as No Country for Old Men. And if you, the movie, obviously, No Country for Old Men, of course, was fantastic. And it won the, uh, the Academy Award, I believe, um, rightly so. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah. So what specific themes and stuff actually, like, what made the book so impactful for you that it's your favorite? Uh, the, the theme of finding beauty and even in the most desolate of things, the most awful of scenarios and, uh, you know, bleak of situations, the ability for perception, um, to be there in a way that, that 
see some light. Um, it's very existential, right? It's a matter of perception and perspective and uh, a call to meaning. Like, again, this is, a, this is a world where there is no hope. And really, technically, you know, it wouldn't be a blame of the father if um, he followed through with what the mother ended up doing, which is just to kill the self off because there was no hope. Um, but he, he couldn't do it and instead he kept on going. While he didn't have particular hope, he knew his son did. And so it's this aspect of like, even in the worst of situations, you can find a call to meaning. For the father, his meaning was to allow his son to find meaning. So the father's meaning was to just go ahead and help the boy find his own meaning. Nice. Sorry, <laughs> was on mute. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, thank you for sharing. Everyone, go check it out. Okay, so another thing you put down in the preform thing is something I have to ask about. Why are you a coffee snob? <laughs> I don't know, because I'm addicted to coffee, and I've tasted lots of different coffee. I don't know. I, you know, if you. Give me a choice besides Starbucks. I will definitely go with that other choice. (laughs) I don't blame you. Not at all. Mm -mm. You know, Starbucks is, you know, burnt and roasted. I will not drink Folgers uh, unless, like, desperate. I mean, you know, it's... How am I a coffee snob? The best coffee that I'm currently drinking is from a company called Comatier that basically takes local coffees flash freezes them and then delivers them to your door in little capsules that you just warm up a little bit under some hot water just briefly to loosen it plop it into your cup in these like little cubes and then you just pour hot water over it um or you can just melt it and then make an iced coffee out of it uh it is an awesome service that delivers to you and their coffee is just unbelievably good they pick um you know great great um roasters um i also have a very expensive pressurized coffee maker called spin and that makes some great coffee as well um it uses pressure to grind up the beans and then heat them up um and it's a really good, excellent coffee machine that I own. Um, I also like to try out new coffees and flavored coffees sometimes. Uh, my kids gave me uh, some coffee called Bones, and they have, like, different flavored coffees like Cinnabon. And that's okay. I'm, uh, you know, I'll have those as a treat every once in a while, but I usually make those, those other sort of newer coffees with fr- French press is my favorite way to make coffee. Um... And, but when I go to a store, what I really look for is the slow drip. And I will, I really like single origin coffees. Um, and I'll get single origin slow drip coffees. Those are my favorite. Don't you dare put any kind of milk or sugar in any of that shit. Um, and I tried Civic, Civic coffee, cat poop coffee. Is it actual cat good. poop? 
yeah, cats eat the beans and then poop them out and then they're washed and No, yeah, there's a ton of coffees that are like fermented from South America. Yeah. Through poop. Okay. Yeah. No, but uh oh god, what was it? Your Oh, slope drip. I learned what that was because of a chiropractor I follow in New Zealand or Australia. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, I don't know why the world thinks I'm, like, super into chiropractic and, like, watching it, but it's all I get on Instagram these days, and, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, sure, I'll follow you, whatever, fine, and then they all post their hobbies, and coffee is a very big hobby, like, for this couple of them. Yeah. He has not replied to come on this podcast, so, yeah. but <laughs> I would love to have him, and, yeah, yeah just. I would, I would love to get a slow drip coffee maker, um not necessarily slow the slow pour but the slow drip the one that really gets out the essence like one drop at a time um i mean it's they're it's really fantastic when you go to a uh there's a place called in the city that i go to called blue coffee they have pretty good coffees and selections and slow drip coffees single origins thanks shout out to them we're not sponsored uh <laughs> <laughs> all right so okay uh i don't know if we have to edit this part out afterwards but i did want to ask about it because it was there uh so direct quote from you is that i have been swatted what does that mean oh you know swatting i mean in the gaming world sense right the swatting is like when when you know People are angry at you if you tilted to create online enemies and they literally call in a bomb threat on you and the SWAT team comes and falls down your oh. door and people have been killed because of it. Yeah. Okay. So that has happened to me, not through gaming though. Um, the funny story is that I was visiting a friend in Hong Kong and uh, you know, he's a pretty, his family's pretty decently well off in Hong Kong, he lives at the top of the island overlooking the bay and, um, uh we were there with a bunch of friends and then me and one friend had to leave a little bit early back to the states but we missed our flight and so when we got back my friend and the other individuals who were staying with us had gone out to dinner and so me and my friend uh the the homekeeper let us in and um we decided oh we're gonna make a funny joke and scare the shit out of him so we went up into his room and hid in his room with his his like bb guns and then he came home and he comes up and uh, we like bust out of the closets and like yell, get down on the ground, get down on the ground. And he was just like rolled his eyes. He was like, oh my God, you guys missed your flight. But what we <laughs> didn't notice is that one of the, the girls that was staying with us, she was still downstairs and all she heard was, get down on the fucking ground. And <laughs> she ran down the driveway to the security guard and said that they were getting robbed. And so I am, and, you know, we're there and we're going ahead and we're like making some, some lunch and, um, you know, we're making some pizza bagels and about to watch the new season of Chappelle show that just came out on DVD. And all of a sudden I see some movement in the backyard through his glass doors. And it's like a guy dressed in all black. And I'm like, Oh fuck. And I told my friend, dude, you're about to get robbed because you know, He's really well off. And I was like, yo, you're, you're getting robbed. There's a guy with a gun and he's going to rob us. And uh, I was about to run. And the guy 
has his gun out. And a good thing I didn't run because I don't know if he would have shot. But he goes ahead and then holds up a badge. And I see the badge. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Dude, it's, it's the cops. It's the police. And uh, I go to the glass door. And I was like, should I let him in? And my friend's like, yeah. And so I open the door. And as I open the door, I can hear the helicopter outside. Like, whoop, 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 whoop. And immediately a whole team comes in and throws me against the ground and puts my hands in handcuffs. And we spent like the next hour like proving to this SWAT team that um like that that we're here at this is my friend's home and that we're here on vacation. We had to show our visas and like at one point the dog that he has is like barking and my friend's like, Oh he the guy's like, What's the dog's name? <laughs> And my friend is like, it's Miso. So I call the dog. He's like, Miso, come here. Oh, God, please. If there's one time in your life that you, that you listen to me, now's the time. Um, but, yeah. And this is the that time. Was, yeah. This is probably before camera phones. So I could be like, no, see, that we've been on vacation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, my God. See, yeah. I didn't know by swatted. I assumed it was, like, spanking. And I was like, why is that a fact you want on here? Let me ask about it, but no, okay. Um, you might have a record in Hong Kong, I guess. Yeah, jeez. Where was the friend that ran to the security guard this whole time? Yeah, she was like down there, like you know, with still with security talking to police, and eventually she came back, and she obviously was really embarrassed and. But, you know, I can't blame her. I mean, it was, wasn't the smartest thing to, like, jump out, scare someone, and be like, get down on the ground. I was stupid, like, you know, in my early 20s. I don't know. I think I was, like, 20. I was literally 21. Look at you. Oh, dying to go back. But if I do, <laughs> I'll know. Don't do that in the rich area. Yeah. But, okay, so we're on the last topic of the main question portion. And I think you're actually uniquely qualified. I saved this question for only people that I think can handle it. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you're isekai'd into a fantasy world. <laughs> My what? My what went into a fantasy world? You're isekai'd. Do you know what isekai is? No. Oh, okay. Whew. Well, that makes more sense. Okay, so isekai is like the trope and genre where you're about to be killed and you're just thrown into a different world. Oh, so like like uh, like Hunter Hunter. I Maybe. guess I never watched it. Probably. Oh. You know that's what I'm talking about. Like, oh god, the bus is coming right at me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you're suddenly you wake up in like ancient Japan or ancient China or somewhere. Yeah, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, actually, I don't know why I put this again. I already asked you what's your race class. Okay, so, so you're in this new world. Which world would you expect to go to? Mm, would I expect to go to? I don't know. Doesn't it usually always send you to the world that, like, it's, it's definitely not the world you'd want to go to? So, it, it wouldn't be like, you know some cool like field Japan or something like he would probably be like God the 1950s 
You wouldn't want to live Greece. <laughs> I mean, would I? Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like that's that's like you know that's the luck of the universe, right? Where like you know it sends you to the place not where you would want to go, but where like it dictates you go, which is probably like the 1950s. Where I'd want to go though, uh, ancient. I don't know. I don't know. The ancient. It's it sounds romantic, but ancient Greece, ancient ancient, all those places like it's fucking brutal, man. It was awful. Probably wouldn't survive, honestly. You know, you can get killed at any moment. Some guy gets pissed off at you, just uses his sword and kills you. Um, the sun burning, like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would I would like to say... I think the Renaissance would be cool to live through. You know, I asked Brad, the roommate from episode 19, a similar-ish question once, and he was like... We should go back to the Renaissance, but bring penicillin and cure the monarchs and like obtain power. Mm. Brad is a warlock <laughs> through yeah, and through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean that type of 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 uh yeah, the the freedom of expression and intellectualism, um, I think would be kind of cool to, yeah. to experience. Before the Industrial Revolution, I mean, like the late 1800s, early 1900s was like, oh, God, squalor. <laughs> okay, so <coughs> you're, you're isekai'd into the whichever, you could pick whichever one you ended up, 1950s or any of the other ones you want, Renaissance, cool. You get to drag friends into it, too. Who are you dragging back in time with you? My best friend, my best friend Jay, he would he would totally, probably really dig the Renaissance, um, for sure. Who else? My, I mean, my girlfriend is a, is a painter. She would she would love the Renaissance. Um, I'd bring my dog, <laughs> and. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to put my kids in danger, so my kids are staying put. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's... I mean, you can come along, too, if you want. Uh, no, I like <laughs> having rights. Um, <laughs> I do not know how I'd be welcomed in Renaissance era. Oh, yeah, what, where in the Renaissance? Like, you said the time period, but where in the world? Which... Oh yeah, probably yeah. Like uh, uh, France, Italy, you know, Western okay. Europe. Huh? Yeah, no, I have no idea if I'd survive. So I'm good, thanks. But I appreciate being included. <laughs> no one has ever included me into being isekai before. I think it's because <laughs> like people like Brad knew like I don't want to go, <laughs> but whoever does. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. That's the end of the main question portion, which, by the way, everyone, fun fact, I think Joe is the first person to not look at them beforehand, so, ayo. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. that was all on the fly. <laughs> As the next section is, too, the rapid-fire question section, which I'm changing the name of because we never get through them fast. Okay. All right. So, question number one. What are your chosen coping skills? 
fencing, running. I mean, my hobbies, basically, fencing, running, painting, uh, eating, coffee. Maybe you would oh. thrive in the Renaissance. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Those are, those are, those are all my hobbies and things I enjoy are my coping. Um, I think when I'm exercising really is my big coping when I'm stressed out or when I'm not doing hot, like emotionally, I go to exercise. Nice. Oh, next up is team Edward or Jacob. Uh, I mean, Edward, I guess, I don't know. Uh, yeah, man, I'd rather be, a, I mean, I don't like either of them, but I'd rather be a vampire than a werewolf for sure. Nice. So okay. I'd rather be sparkly and shimmery and, you know, live really long than, than be a werewolf hairy. Werewolves thing. live long too in the yeah, universe of Twilight. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. Which direction should you cut your sandwich? Uh, yeah, I just cut it, you know, straight down the, the middle. So I have two rectangles. Sometimes, I mean, I'll be Sometimes I'll cut it in a triangle, but usually just slice it down the middle for ease of access. I just do it quickly. If I'm really, if I'm really hungry, I'll forego cutting altogether. And that's what we promote in all aspects of our professional life. Yeah. <laughs> no cutting, just, people. No cutting. I just eat the whole thing. Yeah. What direct? What direction should you fold your napkins? Triangle. I always fold them in a triangle. It looks fancy. It does. What gift would you want to get from a fairy? Invisibility. Left or right Twix? Uh, eat the right Twix first because the left one tastes better. So leave the better tasting one for last. What's a trend that went too far? Uh, like every single one since 2012. <laughs> I don't know. Was it tide eating Tide Pods? <laughs> what is one thing you would eliminate from life? Eating Tide Pods. <laughs> uh, no, mosquitoes. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, oh, who would play you in a documentary slash movie about your life? Um... I don't know, Ethan Hawke. 
Oh, why Ethan? Uh, I, I think I looked a little bit more like him when I was younger and had a thinner face. Um, no, but I think he's a he's a great actor, long-standing actor. Um, you know, uh, yeah, has <clears throat> you know has a believable intensity to him. A quiet intensity, a quiet intensity. An imaginary dog. <laughs> no, that was a good answer, actually. You answered a lot faster than most people. Oh, what genre would that movie or documentary about your life be? Yeah, dramedy. If you stick to the status quo, which click would you be in? The geeks. That sounds so unsure. No, I mean I don't, I don't know what other. Yeah, just the geeks. Yeah, you know? I'd totally be in the geek click. You know, everything from fencing to per, like, you know, theater. Um, I played piano in high school. You know, like, yeah, I was totally, totally a geek in high school for sure. What click should you have been in, though? Um, the, I guess the, the, the jocks. I mean, I played a lot of sports, and I could play a lot of sports, and I was very, very athletic when I was younger. And I could play basketball. I could play soccer. I could have chosen to do a whole bunch of different sports. And every time I would do sports, either intramural sports or uh, gym, um, you know, I'd excel at them easily. Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, last is, if your life was a jukebox musical, what would be the opening song? Jukebox musical. Wow. Do you need a definition of it? No, oh, I yeah, I'm just trying to think of like a. I don't know why I, I thought of this just because the imaginary dog, Elvis's ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fitting. <laughs> So, Ethan Hawke singing You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog, everyone. Yeah. Oh, that's actually great. I would love to see that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, there endeth the questions. I think you're the fastest person to get through them. Yeah, I tried to do a rapid fire. I'm trying to, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, get, get it off, right? I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. think too much about it. Well, that's your philosophy. Apparently other people don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Thank you for coming on today. If people want to find where you are in the world, where can mm. they find you if you even want them to find you? Uh, well, you can find me on my, I guess, Instagram, which is, I don't know what my Instagram is. Jatanasia, so J-Atanasia. Uh, you can find me at my website, mindfulpathpsychology.com. You can find me uh, through Geek Therapeutics. I don't tweet. 
Uh, and yeah, so I just do Instagram sometimes. Yeah, you can just follow me on Instagram. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to say to the world before we depart? Um, yeah. Uh, if all of us were compassionately, um, kind to the people most difficult in our lives, then the world would be a very different place. Yes. Yes, it would be. So. Well, well with, with those wisdom words, words of wisdom, whatever, crap. Anyways, smart <laughs> words were just said. Go with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully you could hear the jingle this time as we leave. But yeah, everyone, uh, yeah, catch us next orbit, I guess, is what I say. And yeah, bye, world. Thanks so much, Danny. Thank you for coming. Oh, it was a blast. <laughs>